Welcome to the Parable Podcast. This is a place for conversation and stories that illustrate God's presence in our everyday life. In the Bible, Jesus, he used so many parables in his teaching. So today, author Joe Miller shares about how he felt his story related to both the prodigal son and the lost sheep parables, both that you can find in the New Testament. It was really amazing to hear at 78 years old, God has never failed Joe. You know, I didn't know the outcomes then, and I don't know the outcomes now. I just accept the fact that he's got me where he wants me, and he's got me doing what he wants. It's not what I want to do. It's what he wants me to do. And, you know, all I have to do is just be joyful in the knowledge that he's led me here. He's never, never failed. And why would he know? You know, it ain't going to happen. Here's my conversation with Joe Miller. I know you through church and you love to equip people. You want to be thought provoking and help people dive a little bit deeper into their relationship with God. Thank you so much for being here. You're very welcome. Pleased that you asked. Tell us a little bit about yourself, Joe. I'm 78 and uh, full of life. Every day that I wake up is a tremendous blessing because I I feel that I have been exceptionally gifted with uh, health and stamina and attitude. You know, I've outlived both my parents and I just feel like I've got quite a few years left and I'm going to use them the best I can. Well, you are an author. We're going to talk about that a little bit later. And you wrote a book called Dog Walk Talk in 2020. So my question to you is, what animal do you think best describes you as your personality? Never thought of that. If anything, maybe a cow. Okay. (laughs) Simply because uh, I think I have a tendency to chew things over before I get into it. But when I do, then it's highly impulsive. Once I I get through that chewing over process, then it's Katie bar the doors. (laughs) The Parable Podcast really is just helping Helping people connect with other people's stories and understanding that we all have a story to share. By sharing those stories, we're able to see God's intentionality in our life and kind of reflect that back into ours and to those we meet. What is something, a story or a season of your life that you would like to share with us today? The season is now. I've, I've thought about this a lot and people that know me and know my life have said, boy, you, you fit the mold of the prodigal son. And in many regards, a lot of regards, that's, that's very, very true. I had a wonderful run at Willow Creek. I came to Christ late, very late. I was 43 and I didn't have any desire to hear anything about Jesus or Christ or God or anything up until that point. And um, the person that brought me to Christ was one who had, and I think this is key, who lost everything because of his belief in Christ. He had been an Orthodox Jew, both he and his wife, and uh, they converted and his dad stood in front of him and said, you're not my son. And the whole extended family just banished him. The key to that was his his belief that he was doing something right, that he was doing what he needed to do following Christ and at great cost. And it wasn't about the cost. It was about what he was doing. That was one point. The other key point was when he approached me, he was unlike anybody else that had ever approached me. He built a relationship first. And, you know, he was one of those guys, we all run into him, but where you just know there's something special about them, but they're not laying it all out in front of you. You just, you want to be with them. You want to know them. You want to be friends with them. You know, there's something special there. And then finally it comes out and that's what happened with him. You know, as time went on, he built the relationship first. That was key. Had that not happened, I probably wouldn't accept now. 
I'm a hard learner. It took two years before I did anything with that. I wasn't a very nice person back then, a very controlling person, and a very hard person. I had been a policeman most of those years, and that fed right into the hardness. After two years, uh, I think that God's got a funny way of working with people and working them over. I had a terrible back, and I ended up going to a chiropractor, and the words came out of my mouth, and it was like culture shock. Do you go to church? And I had never ever ask anybody that. I'm laying there. It's like, where the heck did that come from? And he, he just matter of fact, like, yeah, yeah, we go to the church down the street here. And uh, the rest of the words came out. Can I go with you? What did I just say? I'm thinking to myself, you are crazy. And he says, my wife meets him here. He says, we go to a midweek service down the street. She meets me at her seven and we go. So if you're here and you meet us, you can go with us. Otherwise, you'll miss it. I made sure I showed up and I went with him. It happened to be Willow Creek. So we walk into this place and it's like, oh my gosh, it was a bit overwhelming, the, the amount of people there. The pastor at the time was the uh, founding pastor. And I don't remember anything of that service except a whole lot of crying. And four times he said during the message, you matter to God. Yeah. That's where I found out that, wow, I do matter. I have some worth. And that started a run that lasted for 15 years. I got involved with a small group. It was a hardcore group. I think everybody that ever came into that group had spent time in jail or prison. Uh, they were hard people, but that's who I could relate to. And I shared my Jesus with them. And uh, one Wednesday came, and this was 15 years in, and Penny said, aren't you running late going to church? No, no, I'm not going. I closed the door and never went back. What happened in that moment that 15 years in, you're just like, I'm not going to go? I've never been able to answer that. The only thing I can deduce is that Satan took over. Totally. I don't have any other explanation other than I caved in. And I say that because my lifestyle immediately reverted back to what it had been before. I completely shut the door, didn't maintain contact with anybody. I mean, literally shut the door and walked away. Seeing it from where I am now, that's a real prodigal son story where you're looking where you're at now and, and what transpired. But it's more than that. During that time that I was off and leading that lifestyle, God was working and I had no idea. A fellow that we're both familiar with convinced me of that. God's hand was all over me. No matter where I was, no matter what I was doing, God's hand was protecting me and protecting others from me and protecting me from myself. He's one of those people that God put in my life. Prior to Norm, my daughter would periodically say, wow, Dad, we're praying for you. Oh, thank you very much. Hey, that's nice. And I went to visit him. It happened to be a Palm Sunday weekend. And Saturday, she got in my face as only a mom or a daughter can. Just stood there, asked the question that wasn't a question. It was a statement. You are going to go to church with us tomorrow, right? It may have been encased in a question mark, but it was really an explanation point. You know, and there was no way I was going to say no. It's hard to say no to your daughter. <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> so, so I went. I don't know what happened there other than the fact that I was sitting in the middle with the four of us were sitting in the middle, four to six hundred people probably. I'd say 65% of the time, the guy standing on a stage holding his Bible, staring at me. We have all felt that whoever's speaking is speaking at you. It was very, very clear that he was zeroing in. It really <laughs> creeped me out. 
So we left, and I was agitated inside and upset. And I decided not to say anything because it just sounded too weird. And we're driving down the street, and Gretchen says to me, that's my daughter's, Dad, did you notice anything? Well, the music was really good. Did you notice anything? <laughs> I was like, she picked up on this. That's exactly what she said, that Kevin seemed to be staring at you, and, and we're right there with all those people. How could he? I thought, well, that's exactly what I felt. So I left that Sunday afternoon to come home, and on the drive home, I knew it was over. This wrong ride. It's done. I can't do this anymore. So it's burning inside. Oh, I've got to find a church. So I get home for probably two or three weeks. I was really busy trying to check out churches, going online, and nothing was registering. I went down to visit my sister in Morris. She lived down there for 27 years in a, a facility. She was a special needs person. Coming back one Saturday, God's saying, I'm tired of messing around with you. You're not doing what you're supposed to do, dude. We're going to fix this. I gave you every opportunity. Now I'm taking over. You know, Joe, the local church has been instrumental in my life. You know, and you talked about driving, just getting back and forth to your sister. And it's just interesting how we have different routes and different journeys that we take on our life. A lot of people think that, you know, it's going to be the easy route or it's always going to be the hard route. And it's it's really a roller coaster, right? <laughs> yes, it is. Yes. And so to see God use a road to take you to a place where where you could reconnect with him. And that's just the beauty about God. He just calls us back. Like that shepherd is looking for that one sheep. It's so intentional, so loving, and he doesn't stop. You know, with the prodigal son, the father wanted his son back and he waited for him and he prepared for him to come back, but he didn't actively pursue him. That's the difference between these two stories. God was waiting for me just like the prodigal son, but he also pursued and put people in the So you said at the beginning, when you first started attending church, when you were laying on that chiropractor's table, or even the the gentleman that had talked to you about Jesus, you didn't want anything to do with God. You didn't want to hear about it. Why was that? Uh, my, My parents were Presbyterians, and we always went to church when I was little. And when you're little, you can't rebel. By the time I was approaching my teens, I was starting to rebel. And by the time I hit my teens, that was it. I was done. You know, part of my story is I don't have very many happy memories of childhood. And I always pictured God just from what we were taught. He's this big thing up there that gets mad at you and he's going to stomp you. And that all stemmed from thou shalt not, thou shalt not, thou shalt not. And of course, my mind is saying, well, what if I do? Now I'm the bug that the foot's going to come down on. And that's how I pictured it. I didn't see a loving God. It may have been taught, but it wasn't sinking in. Well, I lived with that out in the real world. So why would I want to double down and have another one in my life? So from your first church experience to now, you had said that you matter to God. Now today, knowing that you matter to God, how are you living your life? He's all that matters. He's using me. It took me a while to comfortably get into that. All of this past, all of this life 
has value. I don't have any regrets about anything because I'm able now to look at it and say, first, God's hand was all over me, but secondly, there was a purpose for it. There was a lesson in everything. There was a purpose. There was a plan. And there still is. You know, I didn't know the outcomes then, and I don't know the outcomes now. I just accept the fact that he's got me where he wants me, and he's got me doing what he wants. It's not what I want to do. It's what he wants me to do. And, you know, all I have to do is just be joyful in the knowledge that he's led me here. He's never, never failed. And why would he know? You know, it ain't going to happen. So true. And he is not going to fail us. Joe, you are an author. Have you always been somebody that likes to write? Or has that kind of just happened later in your life? A little of both. (laughs) I I pretty much always enjoyed writing. I wrote poetry a lot. Unfortunately, it was all very dark poetry. It It was just bad stuff. But I enjoyed writing. I had to face myself. The easiest way for me to face myself is to write it in black and white and see it. Uncut, raw, unedited, undeleted, you know. So I started journaling, not handwritten, but on the computer. And every once in a while, I go back and look at it. And it's like, oh, man. And I have to add rules. I don't delete anything. If you're feeling nasty at the moment, be nasty. Be real. And that's what I did for a long time. And as I'm reading through this stuff, I'm seeing a side of me that is sticking out. And it's like, got a lot of work to do there, kid. Our minds play things on us. But when you see it in black and white, it's a little different. It's almost like somebody else telling you. So... And I didn't plan on writing a book at all, but I started a blog. I said, okay, I'll put me out there. It's going to help me more than anything. Now it's more than private between me and my own computer. I'm putting the same stuff I'm writing on the journal. Now I'm putting on blog. I don't know, just one day, okay, go public. Put your face out there. You know, it's almost a, a, a way of helping force change in my life. Through that whole time, I'm undergoing radical change. And so I wrote the first book. It was a better man, husband, father. And I didn't think I was going to write another book. What am I doing writing a book? I'm not an author. I'm just a guy. Uh, one day, uh, a lady at church approached me and she says, uh, I hear you're writing a second book. Um, I don't know where you heard that from. I've got stuff, but I hadn't thought about it. Well, you need to, and I want to help you. She was a professional editor, and I want to edit it for you. You write good stuff. You know, one thing I like to read in the beginning of every book is who they dedicated their books to, and you dedicated your book to your dad, and I'd like to read this one part that you wrote towards the end. It says, things have changed now. I'm not who I was. I am a new man, one with a relationship with Jesus, the one who has taught me how important earthly relationships are to be. He's the same Jesus you had a relationship with, only I just didn't get it then. You saw the mess and never got the chance to see the maturity. Forgive me, Dad. You sure tried, and now I see it. Yep. He was a godly man, and I abandoned him in all ways because I felt abandoned. He wasn't a bad guy. Neither of the parents were. But most of it was on me, and I learned from it all. I think I enjoy talking more now with fathers and husbands and men than I ever did. Because uh, these younger ones, they don't have to go through that. They don't have to make those choices. There's other things they can do that's much healthier. So I work with men. You know, that's yeah. just crucial. In my case, I don't look at it as a wasted life. It had a purpose. 
I absolutely believe that I wouldn't be where I am mentally, emotionally, and spiritually today had it not been for every bit of that. That was my PhD. I excelled at it. (laughs) And now God has let me share that. That's beautiful. Not just sharing the story, it's sharing what doesn't have to be. Make those choices. So what would you say for us to just to continue to like support men in our life? And if you are a man listening, what's something that you would encourage them with? Connect, connect, connect. There ain't no way in this world you're going to do it alone. It's not going to happen. I don't care how smart you think you are. It's not going to happen. Hearts are not meant to be alone. And that's women and men. That's everybody. God did not make us to be Lone Rangers. That's the first thing. I can't stress that enough. Yeah, it's scary to walk into connection because, you know, sometimes either we are scared to share what we are currently facing. We're just hesitant because, you know, are we good enough? It's hard. So just, you know, keep taking those steps. What you said, just keep trying. And I think it's especially hard for guys because what's one of the first things we hear? Be a man. Men don't cry. And we end up being people that don't focus on feelings. Whereas I think the women do, they're more inclined to think along the feeling line than we are. And all that does for us is crust up that heart. It puts the barnacles on and barnacles are hard to break. I love being emotional and I know not everybody is like that. So sometimes emotion, it doesn't have to be physically crying. That's totally okay. But just being willing to go a little deeper, it's easy to stay in that surface area. And it sure is. Absolutely. If people want to connect with you, how can they do that? Uh, email at men at westridgechurch.com and I have a blog site, which is called dolifebetter.org, dolifebetterministry.org. That's my writing venue now. But yeah, I'm open. <laughs> well, Joe, thank you so much for just helping us better understand and connect the, the sense of the parable of the prodigal son and the lost sheep, knowing that we aren't lost and knowing that we matter so much to God. And I, I think that's the thing that's so often lost is just that sense that we do matter. We're his children. We're children of God. Thank you so much for sharing today. What I appreciate about Joe's story is that he heard in that first church service that he mattered to God. So many times we rebel, we lash out because deep down at our core, we didn't know that we mattered to God. So if you want to delve right into this topic of mattering to God, I'd like to give different takeaway questions each week. So number one, you know, we're stubborn learners. What is currently holding a mental block from learning about the beauty and truth of God in your life? And number two is Joe, he found out his chiropractor went to a local church and he doesn't know how it came out of his mouth, but he said, can I go with you? You know, when we share our parable, why can we be hesitant at times? It's a little scary kind of opening ourselves up. I totally understand that. But I'm going to ask you to just be challenged to ask the question too, can I go with you? Maybe it's, can I walk this life with you? Sometimes we need accountability and somebody just to support us. So think about who that person could be in your life, who you want to share your parable or story with, and just start that journey of walking this life together. 
If you like the show, I would greatly appreciate it. If you share this with a friend, it is such a great way that you can connect with somebody and kind of walk alongside that life that we talked about and have a conversation. Plus, you can also subscribe or follow wherever you listen to podcasts. If you have any questions or you want more information about today's show notes, they're all at daniellezapchank.com. I'd love to connect with you more. You can find me hanging out on Instagram or Facebook. That's going to do it for today. Thank you so much for listening today. I, I just want you to remember that your parable is about how you matter to God. I can't wait to chat with you again next week on the Parable Podcast. Thank you.